Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more information about Alive Church, please visit alivechurchoc.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform by typing in Alive Church OC. I want to send a greeting to all of you from my husband, uh, Derek. Pastor Derek is in Santa Cruz preaching for another church, so that's why this morning I'm taking the pulpit. Just now we partook of the Holy Communion, am I right? We took the wafer and we said, this is the body of Christ that is broken for us, right? And we took the cup of the new covenant, we say, as often as you drink it, remember Him. Remember Him, remember what? Remember that He died for us. But the most important thing, and that's not the end, remember that when we partake of the Holy Communion, we are declaring to ourselves and the world that we have come out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. Can I hear amen? amen? But do you know what is the most significant things about the Holy Communion? The most significant thing about the Holy Communion is that you and I must remember we belong to a unified body of Christ. Yes? That's why the Holy Communion is never taken on your own. There is no example in the Bible where Holy Communion is taken on your own. It's taken whenever the body, the people meet together. Let me, let me tell you this, which is very obvious. One piece of the loaf doesn't make you the loaf. Just saying. You are not the central. You are not the center of the world. Just because you are a piece of the loaf doesn't make you the whole loaf. It's when we come together, we form the body of Christ. Amen? That's why Jesus, before he was crucified, in John 17, he gathered his really loyal believers, those who obeyed him, to come to a garden. And I, in my opinion, gave the most important message of his lifetime. In John 17, he says, this is my greatest desire for you that you will be one with each other, just as you are one with me. And because you are one with me, then I want you to also be one with your Father in heaven. So you can understand through Him, the concept is this, when you become one with each other, one with Him, one with the Father, the kingdom of God then is transported from heaven to the earth. And everything that you need to inherit from kingdom now comes through from the Father to the Son to all of us and from all of us to all others who come to the kingdom because of us. Can I hear amen? amen. But you know, that's not the reality right now as we stand, especially in America. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. After Jesus dies, the believers, the followers of Jesus are arguing and debating about almost anything and everything. Researchers says there are six main issues that divide the body of Christ. I want to quickly talk about it. Number one, the issue on homosexuality. I want to ask you this. Is God against homosexuals or homosexuality? Yes, the very act of homosexuality. But he loves the homosexuals. Am I right? How do you know that? That's very good. So every time I ask you, how do we know that? You are going to declare? Louder. Louder. The Bible tells you so. The second issues that divide us is universalism. Because the Bible says Jesus loves everyone, and because Jesus loves everyone, everyone will be saved. Is that true? No. no. Because the Bible says when you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, then you are saved. But that's not the end. You need to follow every commandment of the Word to be counted as a disciples. How do we know that? Very good. The third issue that divide us is politics, Republican or Democrat. Well, the Bible didn't tell you so, right? The Bible didn't say Democrat or Republican. So how do we vote? As believers whose, founding, whose uh, foundation comes from the Word of God, we must vote according to the, according to the values. 
if a candidate is a Republican and doesn't embrace the value, do we vote for him? No. But if a Democrat embraces the values, do we vote for him? Yes. So we don't vote based on parties. The fourth thing that divides us is the concept of evolution. Are we created in the image of God or just like our young people in school are taught, they, we are evolved from monkeys? How many of you say we are created in the image of God? How do we know? One more time, how do we know? Although some of us may look like monkeys, we are not created in the image of monkeys. If we embrace the concept that we are created in the image of monkeys, no wonder some people can accept that we behave like animals and it's okay. The fourth issue is a big one. You ready? The fourth issue is women in ministry. Our body is divided. Should a woman teach? Should a woman preach, especially to men? You see, they pull out a scripture from 1 Corinthians when Paul spoke to the church and said that the women should not be talking in the synagogue. And that context of the scripture is because they were asking questions about what was being preached. You see, women during that time was not educated. So, Paul, in order to bring order, said, keep silent, go home and ask your husband. But they took it out, and that is the problem with the body of Christ right now. We have not read the Bible. We don't understand God. We don't understand the heart of God. We don't understand the ways of God. We don't understand the principles of the kingdom. We take one scripture and build a doctrine around it. If that is the truth, if, if uh, qualified women submitted with the right heart to serve the Lord, cannot teach and cannot preach and cannot uh, stand and be a leader, then I think the angel at the tomb of Jesus Christ has made a grave mistake. Because that day Mary Madeline came and the angel says, go and tell a group of powerful anointed men that Jesus has risen from the dead. And mind you, Mary Madeline is an ex-prostitute. Amen. The final issue that really breaks us is the issue of internet and the social media. I believe this is the main thing that exemplify, magnify all the issues. Because on an open platform like that, any men and women, whether they are qualified, not qualified, whether they have the right motivation or not right motivation, they go up on the internet and they propagate ideas, theories, messages that affects our mind, the way we think, affects how we feel and have no basis not according to the Word of God. I want you to lift out your Bible if you have your Bible this morning. And if your Bible is a digital, just lift it up. Right? Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can be what it says I can be. This is the Word of the Lord. It is the foundation of my faith and the final authority in my life. And all God's people say, the word of God cannot be broken. It cannot be canceled. The world is trying to cancel the word of God. If the word is canceled, you and I have no basis for our faith. This world, this church will not exist if the word of God is canceled. Because this church is birthed out of the Word of God. And not only this church, any church that call themselves a church of the living God have to be based on the Word of God. Can I hear amen? amen? The Word of God cannot be broken, John 10, 25. Psalms 119 says, Your Word is settled in heaven. The entirety of your Word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. The Bible is not written by men, though through the hands of men. It was written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1, verses 20 to 21. It says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. 
Our prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God moved men, just as you did today, where God moved your heart, moved men and downloaded messages that He needs us to know, and moved the hands of men to scrap it down. So I want to ask you, is the Bible reliable? The Bible is written, it's 66 books in this Bible, 44 in the Old Testament, 22 in the New, written by 40 men. Some of these men know each other, most of them do not know each other, written over 1,500 years. There's no way to collude, right? To collude the Bible, 1,500 years. But the most important thing, if you have read through the Bible cover to cover, there's only one central theme in the Bible. And the central theme is this, that God loves us so much that He created us to have a relationship with us. And when man fails, God sent Himself in the flesh to die so that you and I can be covered by Him, learn how to live right, and prepare the world for Him coming back. Everyone say, God is good. good. What an awesome story, right? So we understand the Word of God cannot be broken, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to talk about the seven powers of the Word of God. The seven powers of the Word of God. Number one, it has the power to reveal. It has the power to reveal to us things we do not know. For example, how did the world come about? When did the world exist, right? For example, why are men the way they are, men and women, because of sin? How do we overcome sin? What is going to happen at the end of this world? How is Jesus coming back? You see, all these things people do not know, and many people research and did many uh, speculation, comes up with theories. But theories are theories, But God's Word gives us a truthful, eyewitness, detailed account about God, about how we came about, about how we can have a relationship with Him. You see, when you don't know the Word, you can be easily destroyed and deceived in your faith. Amen? So in City Harvest, we really want to train you not to uh, be wishy-washy about your faith. Because salvation is not a feeling. Because you can feel wrong. But salvation, the confidence of your salvation is based on the Word of God. That's why everyone who calls a life church, your church, we want you to go through three levels of Bible study. The first level is called getting started. And then Christian Lifestyle 1, Christian Lifestyle 2. And regardless of how many years you have been a Christian, yes, we do expect you to go through the Bible study. But you may be asking me, but I've been a Christian for so long. Yes. But you know, the maturity of the believer and the understanding of the believer is not in how many years you sit in the chair. I want to ask you, do you know how to define sin? When someone asks you, what is sin? Is sin something that we do? No. If you have attended our Getting Started, you will realize that sin is defined as the attitude of rebellion towards God. Where you want to live independent of God, that is sin. And it is not what you did that ends you in hell, but it is what you fail to do, the sin of omission, which means you fail to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You fail to follow Him. That is in Getting Started. Wow. How about Christian Lifestyle 1? We talk about thanksgiving, praise, and worship. There are different things that we do when God commanded it. What do all these things help to solidify your walk with God? What about Christian Lifestyle 2? We talk about biblical love. We know that God is love. How do we know that? Oh, not so great. The 9 a.m. service did really well. How do we know it? Yes, God is love. But the world is saying, love is God. The world tells you, if you do something, say something, and doesn't make me feel loved, 
That is not God. Is that true? No. If you look at the Bible, you understand that's not how God loves us. And God's love is strong enough that He could kill people. Wow. When I said that, the 9 o'clock service, everyone got a little bit scared. You understand, don't be afraid. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be scared. When you follow God, God is going to make sure you live and you are protected. But God has to raise up a standard. So all these things through the Bible, right? So the power to reveal. Number two, the power to refute. This book, this Bible has the ability to refute what arguments that are not true. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Let's read this verse together. Ready? One, two, three. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. So the scripture, the Bible is inspired by God and it's useful. It's useful for principle, laying down principles in your life. Refute. Reproof means to refute what is wrong and, and uh, that is not according to God's word. It is a standard against which all philosophies, theories, human solutions can be matched against to see if it is accurate. If God's word approves it, we run with it. Yes? We don't argue, we don't say if or but or when. We accept it. If God's word rejects it, no matter what you say or do can make it right or acceptable. Amen? Amen. But what if God's word doesn't say it? When God doesn't say anything about it, how do we, how do we live it out? How do we make our choices? We make our choices based on God's character. Do you know God's character? You see, if you don't read the word, you will not know God's character very well. You need to base your decision on God's character. You need to base your decision on God's principle. Do you know pulling scripture here and there doesn't show you the principle. By reading through the word, you will see every time something happens, what does God do? That is how you find his principle. That's how you find his way of dealing with certain things, right? So if so character principle and finally if you have to make a choice that the word of God is not clear, what do you do? You always think what is the end result? Is the end result what God wants? If the end result is not what God wants, then you have to consider if you would make that choice. Does it make sense to anyone? Right. Note that moral standards and spiritual ideas are always compared to the Bible in order for us to judge whether we should listen and embrace them or not. God's Word is the standard for comparison, not man's opinion. Man's opinion can be wrong. You always come back to the Word of God. And I want to say this, the Bible cannot eliminate immorality. The Bible cannot eliminate immorality. But the Bible is the standard by which we consider if something is moral or immoral. Where someone is worth listening to or not. Can I hear amen? amen? Right? So, there are three basic laws that govern human behavior. Three basic law. The first law is the legal law. The legal law is the lowest law. The legal law tells you what you cannot do. And if you do that, you will be prosecuted. You have to pay a price. And then the higher law, the next law is the moral law. The moral law is your inner moral compass. Your conscience tells you what you should do and should not do. For example, sleeping with your neighbor's wife we all know we should never do that, right, for example. But as believers, God is expecting us to lift up the standard and live within the spiritual law. The spiritual law is the highest. And what does the spiritual law say? If you look at a woman and lust in your heart, you already sin. 
So as believers, when we embrace the totality of the Word of God and follow this Word, we fulfill the spiritual law. We are above the moral law, and we definitely are not afraid of the legal law. Can I hear amen? amen? So the Word of God has the power to reveal, it has the power to refute. Number three, it has the power to reproduce. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus was talking about this farmer who took some seed and, and sowed it to the ground. And he says some grounds fell on wrong places, but when it fell on good ground, it, bare, it bore a harvest. And then he began to declare that the seed is the Word of God. Everyone say seed. Okay, hold that thought for a while. The Word of God is a seed, right? Hold that thought. Now, let's look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1 in verses 1 to 4, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him... Although it, it personified the word, but it is referring to the word. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In this word contains your life. The life of God. And he says, when you find this life, you will receive the light. The light to shine in your understanding, the light to give you wisdom, to know what to do, and to see what is right and what is wrong, right? Now, follow me. John 1, suddenly in verse 14, that seed, something happened to that seed. That seed became a man. And it says in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word was a seed. That seed came and transformed itself and became a man, Jesus. So the Word is Jesus in seed form. Jesus is hidden. The revelation of Jesus is hidden in all these words, but they are in seed form. Understand what I'm saying? All right. So Jesus said the word of the Lord was a seed. The analogy that the word is a seed means that it has the power to grow. Seed has power to grow. And the word that is planted in honest, obedient heart can produce physical acts. Transform you to be like Jesus, representation of Jesus, and you will do things that the world can see that you have been with the Lord. Can I hear amen? amen. The only way Christianity has survived 2,000 years is because of the Word. The Word continued to redeem and transform people, continue to birth forth new believers and add them into the kingdom. Last week, I told you I started this journey with God poor. You know how poor I was? I was so poor, I owed the bank so much money. I really don't know where, who to start paying. I was thinking to myself, how am I going to reverse this whole thing? And then lo and behold, one day when I was reading the scripture, the Lord spoke to me in Joshua 1 verse 8. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night and be careful to do everything written in it. And then God says, then you will find prosperity and you will have good success. Wow. When I receive this word as a seed in my heart, I begin to meditate on it. That's why I can memorize it. I meditate on it day and night. And I say, okay, I need to obey the word. I need to obey what God is saying. I take ownership of my financial disaster. I work very hard. I'll be faithful to pay the banks and believe God for supernatural. And in two years, God canceled my debt. And from a place of poverty, God bring me on a journey of prosperity. Let's give God a big hand. The power to reproduce. See. 
Number four, the power to reform. Psalms 119, David says, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And then two verses later, he says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What amazing young man. He was only 15 years old, probably at that point in time. Maybe, maybe a little bit older. But he was truly a man after God's own heart, right? He loves God. And that's why God loves him so much. He, he entrusted David with the keys to the kingdom. That's why the keys to the kingdom is called the keys to the house of David. You understand? God loves us equally, but God doesn't trust us equally. One more time. God loves us equally, but doesn't trust us equally. Who does he trust? He trusts the man that will obey his... One more time. He trusts the man that will obey his... How do we know that? Oh, not very good. How do we know that? All right. So every complete life change, every turnaround is because someone read the word. Someone attended the Bible study. Someone came to a meeting such as this and heard the word and received it in their heart. Not just sit there and then go through their routine, but you receive the word in your heart. Number four, uh, number five, the power to revive. Psalms 138 verse 7 say, In the midst of trouble, you will revive me. When you are going through a drought in your spiritual life, when you feel you're stuck, when you don't feel God so close, when you don't feel God loves you, you don't feel that love, what must you do? Don't go out and do your shopping therapy and chalk up your credit card and then later you have the pain of trying to pay off your credit card. Don't Watch Netflix and binge on Netflix because it will not solve your problem. Last week, Pastor Derek gave us a challenge to go back and recite Psalms 118, right? If you have done it last week, I'm sure last week was a, uh, a ha happy week for you. What does the Psalms 118 say? What? This is the day the Lord has made. I will and be. Amen. So as you recite, you begin to bring your attention back to God. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it because this day God is thinking of me. He's always giving me a good future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, how do we know that? And no matter how bad things are, He's always turning around for our good. How do we know that? How can you still feel defeated after praying all that? You see, but the beautiful thing is this. As you begin to recite the word over and over again, faith comes by hearing. Hearing yourself, recite to yourself the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you speak, the word comes back into your spirit and then the word comes alive on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. So when we... You know, so reviving us, the best thing is to come back to the Word and allow the Word to revive us. Do you know that people who are in their deathbed, in a hospice, in the last lap of their life, they would not be asking their caregiver to read me the TV guide for comfort. Read me the TV guide, right? They would not ask their caregiver to read them Darwin Theory of Evolution, when they are going through pain and suffering and, you know, they are in their last lap, they like to listen to Psalms 23. Yeah. The Lord is my, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down on green pastures and beside still waters. He lead me on the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no, because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You set a table for me before my enemies. You anoint my head with, my cup runs over. Surely, 
goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Do you know how I can remember this? Because when I am depressed, I recite Psalms 23. When I do not know what to do, I'm scared, I recite Psalms 23. When I am lost, when I feel detached from God, I recite Psalms 23. So that Psalm now anchor me and become something that is alive on the inside of me. So the power to revive you. Number six, the power to reward you. Everyone loves a reward? Okay, only some. I think Tim loves a reward. Okay, Tim, I'll give you a reward later, okay? Who loves a reward? All right, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. I love this verse, Proverbs 8 verse 17. It says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. You know, have you ever played a game with your kids before or at your niece or nephew before? Hide and seek, right? You come and find me. If you find me, I'll give you candy. Guess what? Those kids will be so enthusiastic to find, who, find you, am I right? Because when they find you, they get the reward. It is the same thing. God wants us to be innocent like the little kids and run after Him. Find Him in the Word because in His hands, there's reward for you. If you find Him diligently, and the key word is diligently, find Him diligently, there is reward for you. And when we find Jesus, what do we find? We find that intimacy with God. I think that is the most precious thing in my life, that intimacy with God. And no matter what, I will never let it go. Not for a man, not for my kids, not for the church, not for the ministry. That one thing that keeps me alive, that one thing that gives me assurance and hope and faith. But not only that, when you find Him, you find His will. If you know His will for you, you will never be afraid. Do you know that? No matter if, right now everyone is saying we are on the verge of World War III. It is possible we are on the verge of World War III. But you shall not be afraid. Because if you read the Bible, God says what? The end of a matter is greater than its beginning. How do we know that? <laughs> yes. There's protection for the people of God. If you find Him, you will find His ways. How do He do things? How does He do things? So that you will not be easily deceive. If you find him, you will find his, um, his wisdom. How do we navigate through all these complicated events, complicated relationships? When you find him, you will also find his warnings. What are the things that we need to watch out for so we don't fall into the pit? God's word is the bonding mechanism between God and the people. Everyone say bonding mechanism. And if you don't feel the love of God, if you don't feel that you're very intimate with God, you don't feel the favor of the Lord, it is likely because you have not read this word. You have not embraced the word of God. That's why God is not close to you. No matter how much you sing about worthy is the Lamb. This is the reason why you feel distant from God. You have not eaten of this word. You have not taken out the seed from this word. Am I making sense to anyone? Finally, number seven, the word has the power to get us ready. Get us ready. Luke 12 verse 40 says, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus is going to come back. He's either coming back, whether... If we die and He comes back, we will still face judgment. But if we are alive and He comes back, we will still face judgment. But for the believers, we have reward. But the judgment is what? God will judge you by the Word. If the Word doesn't judge you, if you don't allow the Word to judge you, the world will. 
If the world cannot judge you, the world will. Ignorance and disbelief will not excuse us from the judgment. So is there something that God is speaking to you right now? You know God is quickening your heart. God is challenging you. God is confronting some thoughts, some attitudes, some ideas that you have. Then respond to God because the Word of God is the only source of information that can help us prepare for the coming of the Lord. In 2 Timothy 3, I'm not going to read the passage of verse, uh, verse 1 to 5. But, Timothy, uh, but Paul told Timothy to be careful. He said, at the end times, people will be lovers of themselves and not lovers of God. He said, be careful. And then he said, from these people, turn away. Right? What is Paul saying? Paul is saying to Timothy that be careful that all these people will corrupt you that they will influence you. That's how God loves all of them, God loves all of them, but Paul said you need to be wise. And then Paul began to bring him back to the Word of God. In verse 10, he says, But you, Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine, the Word of God, the manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. And then he charged him once again, Remember, come back to the Word of God, the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we are in a time of history where things are no longer the way it is. We have come to a new level of darkness just by what you are seeing right now with the issue of Israel and Palestinian. You will understand we have come to a new level of darkness. We are coming again closer to the end times. Uh, the, the final lap of the end times. So it is important for you to anchor your faith, not in what Pastor Derek is saying, what Pastor Susan is preaching, but on the... How do we know that? Right, the Bible tells us so. So seven powers of the Word of God. I want to share with you the story of Jesus when He was baptized. And recently, several of you got baptized in the Connect group, Right? When, you, when he got baptized and uh, when he came up from the water, the Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness. Am I right? And in the wilderness, the devil tempted him three rounds. He tempted Jesus to take the world without the cross. To inherit the world without the cross. But Jesus each time used the Word of God to defend himself, use the Word of God to strengthen himself, and use the Word to come into alignment with his Father, and then he overcame the temptation. The Bible says he came out of the wilderness in power. Everyone say power. How many of you want that kind of power? You know how you're going to tap onto the power? Four steps for you to tap onto that power. So understand my analogy that the word is a C. Am I right? And I want to take this four step to elaborate how you can manifest the power of the word of God in your life. And I want to talk about the, you know, recently I've been very interested in agriculture because, you know, my yard, I have a true tree and I'm learning a lot <laughs> from the power of the seed. So first step, step number one. You need to accept the word as your total authority. That everything written in this word is true. From the first word in Genesis in the beginning to the last word in Revelation, which is amen. Everything is true. When I make a decision to accept the word as my final authority in my life, it totally changed my life. So when you accept this word, and some of you may think, why, you know, I, I believe so I accept the word. No, really, accept the word as your final authority. That you will manage yourself based on the word. That you will let the word judge you, train you, mow you, speak to you, and correct you, love on you, and transform you. All right, Matthew 24 verse 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So this is the seed. When we accept it, embrace it, we are grounding it. We are putting that seed into the ground, right? Step number two, 
The seed in the ground is no use unless it germinates. Am I right? Yeah. So the second thing is you must read the word. When you open up and give God space and time, God will speak to you. That's how God speaks. When you love the word, means you love Jesus. You cannot love the word more than you love Jesus. Jesus and the word are one. I already showed you earlier. He is the seed. The word became flesh. So, so we need to read the word of God. First Peter 1 verse 23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The seed of the Word of God is an incorruptible seed. In it has the power to transform you into someone that is incorruptible. So the righteousness, everyone say righteousness. The righteousness of God. And many of you went through water baptism, am I right? You went through water baptism to declare to the world, you don't belong to the world, you belong to God. You have received righteousness in your heart. But you know that it's only the beginning. Because you have received righteousness, but you still think the same way. You still behave the same way. Because for so long, you have been taught how to behave like the world. So the seed that's in you, which you declare to the world, you no longer belong to the world, but belong to God. You now have the duty. Everyone say duty. Responsibility to grow the seed and and, and grow the seed into a huge tree. The seed, righteousness starts as a seed form. And when the seed is exposed to proper conditions, water and oxygen are taken in through the seed coat. The embryo starts to enlarge. And then the seed coat breaks open. And what comes out first? Roots. It's not your stem. It's not your leaf. It's the roots must come up first. That is why when you read the Bible, the seed, the, the Word of God will take root first. As deep as the root will go, it's as strong as you will be. Amen? So the root comes out and then the stem and so on and so forth. So the basic connection that begins the power to flow, the power of God to flow in your life is through reading the Word. Therefore, we must be reading the Word and make it a part of our regular life. Just as today, did you brush your teeth? I hope you did. <laughs> did you eat your breakfast? Right? As natural as waking up, brushing your teeth and eating your breakfast. So grounding the seed. When you accept the word, you ground it in your spirit. When you read your word, you are preparing this seed to germinate and grow. But the third thing is, you must grow the seed. How do you grow the seed when the seed starts growing up and forming what looks like a tree? It will be to respond to the word of God in obedience. You must obey the word. No point reading the word and don't want to obey. Ladies and gentlemen, why some of you are stuck? Because you read the word, God spoke to you. But instead of responding, you put it aside and say, let's go on from here. If you understand this is Jesus, and when the word speaks to you, who is speaking to you? And if you can disobey Jesus' voice, is there any hope to you for you? No, that's why you pray and you pray, you give and you give, you serve and you serve, and you're still stuck. Because there's something in your life you're not obeying. And that's why when God speaks to me, I pay attention. Because I know God knows me more than I do myself, all right? So there is a danger to think that if we read the Word of God, we have done the will of God. In fact, we read the Word of God to know the will of God. Amen? But obedience, when you obey, that's what transforms transform, uh, knowledge into power. And that power changes your life. Powerful living 
is produced by powerful obeying. Powerful living is produced by powerful obeying. When you believe right, you choose right. When you choose right, you live right. And when you live right, what does Romans 4 verse 17 says? Let's read this together. Ready? One, two, three. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God says if you live right, you will have peace and joy. If you live right by choosing right, by obeying the word of God, you will have peace and joy. So don't struggle with God anymore. Surrender to the word of God and say, Lord, I will obey you. God's word is food suitable for every stage of Christian life. Some of you are baby Christian. You just got saved. Praise the Lord. You know, I know Brendan just went through water baptism. Praise the Lord. We're so excited for him. Awesome journey. Newborn baby, we need to have pure milk of the word. You know, he's, he's the hawk actually. Just how you see. When you see the drunken tree, he's the hawk, you know, he's strong and tall, but he's a spiritual baby, right? Just came into the, the kingdom of God. So uh, we need the word of God. First Peter 2 verse 2 says, As newborn babes desiring the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So how do we grow? We, we read the word of God. Even for growing Christians, Matthew 4 verse 4 says, Men shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Learn not to just read the word, but hear what God is saying, right? For mature Christians, what must you be doing? What's the yardstick? Hebrews 5, 13 to 14 says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So if you call yourself a mature Christian, the evidence is I must see that you obey the word. The evidence is I must see that you will not defy the word of God no matter how badly you're treated, no matter if it's injustice, no matter if you are right. If you are right and you say it in the wrong way, do it in the wrong way, it's still wrong. The yardstick of Christian maturity is Christian behavior. Is your behavior. Is your attitude. Amen? You see trees, right? We're talking about trees, right? Grounding the seed, germinating the seed, growing the seed. In order for the tree to grow strong, do you know for trees to have somewhat strong root system and a big protective top, do you know that trees need adverse weather? Bad weather. Wind. When it is bad weather, you know what the tree does? Extend the root even deeper. Expand the root even wider so that they can stand strong. That is why. That is why God allows you to go through tough times. That is why. When people do wrong by you, when you are offended, what does the Bible say? Do not be offended. Go and talk to that person. Reconcile. God says forgive. Even though they don't deserve it, you need to forgive. Forgive. When you are anxious and worried instead of, you know, murmuring, complaining and all that, go to the Word and pray and, and allow worship to bring you into a place and replace worship, uh, replace worry with worship. Whenever you are going through all that, instead of running to your friends, running to the world, running to your flesh, run to the Word of God. Because when you run to the Word of God, just like the video, your roots go deeper. Your roots go How big your root system is, is how strong your tree is. That is why... We can be a believer for so long and we're still a feeble tree. Because when people wrong us, we find it is our every right, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We find it is our right to expose, our duty to expose someone. But God says what? In the multitude of love, we cover. God says, honor our leaders. 
Did God say honour leaders only with the political parties that you're affiliated in? No. no. When I first came to America, I was shocked to find the face of a president on the toilet roll. Wow, I say, this nation is in trouble. No matter whether we agree or not, they are the president of the United States. And if our president can be on the toilet roll, honor is dead. Because he represents the nation of the United States. Just saying, okay, just saying. Just saying. You understand? You understand why your tree is not strong? Because you take methods into your own hands rather than. Last. After you grow your tree, the, the last part is you need to gain ground. You need to spread the word. Not just obey the word, you need to spread the word. Because obeying the word brings power into your life. But sharing the word multiplies the power in someone's lives. So we share the word by living our example, by living right, by living right. We always say we are the light of the world, am I right? But actually, nobody really understands what does that mean. Because just how I read to you, right, in the word was life. And the life, in the life is what? Light. So actually, if you are a man or woman who live by the word of God, your righteousness will shine so bright that the world can see the difference. And when the world see the difference, they will open up their heart and ask you, who is your God? The problem is our light is not shining. And then we want to tell people, you are living wrong. My, my, my. We are in deep trouble, isn't it? You see, ladies and gentlemen, we heard from Dwayne. When Dwayne came to church, his life was not right. He had wrong thinking, done things done to him that was not right. But we have to change his mind about who he is. We have to change his heart so that he can fully embrace the Word of God. Despite his pain, despite the injustice, despite the time wasted, he knows he can redeem his life. If he reads the Word and allow the Word to judge him, frame him, teach him, grow him, doesn't matter where you start. The end of a matter is always greater than its beginning. Amen? But what happens is this. When we say, when we believe we and our household shall be saved, how do they get saved? It's when you are a righteous man or a righteous woman. You create an atmosphere of righteousness. And because you have an atmosphere of righteousness, do you know when people come into your life, they turn, they change. They understand where they are is not great. You don't have to tell them they are not doing well. They will see your life and they say, I'm not doing well. The concept of a holy man and a holy woman is a lost art. Because when you are holy, people will be convicted when they come under that atmosphere. But the most important thing is this, ladies and gentlemen. We all carry that atmosphere, but when we have enough people, the atmosphere change into a climate. You understand what I'm saying? 
Many people are fighting for climate change. Go green, go green, go green. Don't do this, don't do that. Save the plastic, save the straw, but use the plastic cups. Just, just saying. You know, there are many things I don't really understand. Sometimes I have to bite my tongue like... Ugh. Save the straws! But use the plastic cup, it's okay. Climate change. The world is fighting for climate change. But what is the kingdom of God doing? Yes, there's a climate we need to change. And that's the spiritual climate of God. And if you don't build this climate, no one knows because they are all clouded. They have been covered by us. They are blinded by culture, by the spirit of this world. That is why... It is not enough for you to enjoy the gospel for yourself. Look at all the empty seats around you. Because it takes enough people to establish a climate. When you have an oak tree, you will realize that after a period of time, there are other oak trees in the surrounding. The reason is because the fruit falls, right? Birds come, bees and stuff like that. And you get a forest. Show me the picture. You get a forest of oak trees. And what happens when you have a forest of oak trees? You understand that trees gives out what? Yes, very smart. They absorb carbon dioxide. They give out oxygen. And when you walk through the forest, do you feel the air is fresher? When you feel the air is fresher, do you, you, you feel your mind is clearer? Same analogy. If I can persuade you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we can change the climate over Orange County. But I need all these chairs filled with men and women who have the same vision to do the same thing. We will turn this world right side up for the Lord Jesus Christ. But it starts with you wanting to create an atmosphere of righteous living by the Word of God so that together we build a climate. Amen? Stand up on your feet. The Bible is the most printed and distributed book in the history of the world. Yet millions remain unconverted. In addition to this, many who claim to be Christians are lukewarm and unproductive. I believe that even though the word is out there, majority of the people have not tapped into it. Listen to what A.W. Dozer says. The Word of God, well understood and religiously obeyed, is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. And we must not select a few favorite passage to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. This morning when I woke up, this person came into my heart. And I know that it is what God wants to show. So I'm going to show a picture of this man. His name is called Nick Vujizek. Have you heard of him before? Nick Vujizek was born without limbs, no arms and no feet, only a torso. When he was young, he was badly bullet. He wanted to kill himself because he don't see how he can have a meaningful life. But the good thing is, God gave him a nurse as a mother. And this mother knows how to care for him and taught him how to take care of himself. If you search for him, it's amazing how he can button his own shirt and stuff. But the important thing is this mother taught him the Word of God. 
and taught him that the word of God cannot be revoked. And told him, regardless of the fact that you have no hands and no feet, you are never an accident. How do we know? One more time. How do we know? And Nick grew up embracing the Bible, overcome depression, overcome suicidal thoughts. And then he rose up and then he began to teach the Bible, share his story of how God changed his life around. But do you know Nick kept a pair of shoes and still keeping it today? Keeps a pair of shoes in the cupboard. Do you know why? Because he says, the Bible tells me that what? We shall live by faith and not by sight. So the Bible says, God, according to our faith, all things are possible. So I'm going to obey the word of God to always have faith. So he kept a pair of shoes in his cupboard. He said, I do not know at any point in time. One day I wake up and there, my legs are there. Wow. That is a great attitude, isn't it? God didn't give him a pair of legs. No, God didn't give him a pair of legs. He's still without legs. But God gave him a wife who saw beyond his physical disability the fullness of a man of God. And this beautiful woman married him and they thought they're not going to have children. But they were able to have a big family. Look at that. Four kids. And they all have arms and legs. What would God do for you? What would God do for you? If you have kept that pair of shoes in your cupboard. If you hang on to the word and not let go. And believe heaven and earth shall pass away. God, you, your word will not pass away. You are faithful. You are faithful. Psalms 84 verse 11. I wanted to end with this verse. And let's, uh, let us read this verse together. I, I think it's up there. I wanted you to turn to your Bible, but you know, let's read it anyway. Psalms 84 verse 11. Ready? One, two, three. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. When you live right, when you live out your righteousness, no good things, nothing good will God withhold from your life. This is the word the Lord spoke to me. It saved my life, do you know? When the Lord spoke to me this verse, I was in Bible school. I was struggling to keep afloat. I had to work, I had to go to school, and it's not uh, on demand, Brother Dwayne. <laughs> my Bible school was every day, half a day, and then I rushed to work. I was struggling. One day when I was in my kitchen, the Lord spoke to me in Psalm 84 verse 11. I am your son. Do you know this verse saved me? I mentioned that. I nearly drowned. One afternoon, I was swimming. I'm not a very good swimmer. And as I was swimming in the midst of the pool, a thought came, what if I cannot make it to the other side? And when that thought came, I started to hyperventilate. I started to struggle. And then guess what? When I was swimming, the sun came on my back. When I felt the sun on my back, the word of the Lord came, I am your son. And when I felt the sun, I felt God was looking at me. And then the fear went away. When the fear went away, I was able to swim to the other side and not be drowned. And that's not the end. Someone came one Sunday and gave me a gift. He said, I felt God told me to, to buy you a gift. It is a small wooden plug. And on it was my name, Susan. 
And below it was Psalms 84, 11. Tell me God is not speaking. Tell me God is not alive. You can never persuade me God is not alive. Because this book changed my life. It saved me. It groomed me. It developed me. It anchored me. And no one, nothing, will make me disbelieve the word or disobey the word. Come, let's worship the Lord. Come on, worship the Lord with me. Come on, worship the Lord with me. 